0: The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress and other high profile public figures. Today, following the news headlines and Let's Get Blunt, I interviewed Danielle Wilson, Maria Hernandez, and Norma Hernandez from Unite Here Local 11. We discussed the hotels in West Hollywood, including the Mondrian and Chateau Marmont, and workers' rights and post-COVID challenges facing the workers in the hospitality industry. I also interview Will Page, the publisher of the Desert Daily Guide, the Greater Palm Springs' premier LGBTQ publication. We discuss the state of Palm Springs, Cathedral City, the first LGBTQ Veterans Memorial, the latest news, and much more. So stay tuned. Here are a few uh, news items. Chicago became the largest U.S. city to fully reopen Friday. As of Friday, the country was averaging just over one million COVID-19 vaccine doses administered per day over the past week, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Nearly 64% of adults in the U.S. have received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine, and about 54% are fully vaccinated, according to CDC data. Yet the Biden administration's goal of having 70 percent of adults with at least one dose of vaccine by July 4 is expected to fall short. Less than half of adults living in Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee and Wyoming have received one dose of COVID-19 vaccine, according to CDC last week. Vaccine inaccessibility due to socioeconomic barriers is a concern among state and health officials and recent data suggests that the uneven number of inoculations across the country are not strictly limited to geography. Experts have been warning that a coronavirus variant first identified in India and now rising prominence in the United Kingdom, the Delta variant or B.1.617.2, could pose considerable danger to those who are unvaccinated. It's official. Most of California's coronavirus rules governing public gatherings will disappear on Tuesday after Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order Friday afternoon that heralds the end of the pandemic's hold on much of public life for the nation's most populous state. Newsom's action on Friday ensures the state will end the stay-at-home order and its various amendments on Tuesday after more than 15 months on the books as more than 70% of adults in the state have received at least one dose of coronavirus vaccine. Starting Tuesday, there will be no capacity limits or physical distancing requirements for businesses. People who are fully vaccinated won't be required to wear a mask, including indoors. Organizers of a campaign to recall Governor Gavin Newsom turned in 1,719,943 valid signatures exceeding the and 709 required to trigger a recall election. Organizers turned in more than 2.1 million signatures by the March 17 filing deadline. Voters who signed the petition had until June 8 to request removal from the petition. The California Secretary of State has until June 22 to verify that enough signatures remain to move the recall forward. If sufficient signatures remain following the removal request deadline, the recall will be certified and moved to a budgeting and scheduling phase. Based on the remaining procedural steps required by state law for the recall campaign, an election is likely to take place in October or November of 2021. Let's get blunt. what? let's get blunt for today's let's get blunt i want to talk about uh, lgbtq rights not just in the u.s but worldwide i was uh, recently on a west hollywood city of west hollywood panel uh, and the moderator asked me was there it was her last question said what would you like to see uh moving forward for uh, queer rights and um uh, I said, you know, I'd I'd like for us, LGBTQ community in the U.S., you know, despite having a lot of challenges, despite the setbacks that we uh, incurred by President Trump, uh, a lot of our rights were either taken away or uh, jeopardized. uh, We still can help uh, LGBTQ people in other countries, especially those that are most vulnerable. So for today's Let's Get Blunt, I want to sort of uh, highlight some of these countries with horrendous human rights when it comes to their queer community, as this is Pride Month. So I'm going to start uh, with number five. So according to ILGA Europe, uh, the European region of the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans, and Intersex Association, as reported by The Guardian, Azerbaijan has been ranked the worst place to live as an LGBTQ citizen after meeting only 5% of the leading rights organization's criteria for legal equality. Azerbaijan's dictator, President Aliyev, refuses to protect its LGBTQ community from hate crime and discrimination. The nation has an astounding high number of homophobic and transphobic violent attacks, as well as discriminatory remarks made by political figures. Next is number four. It's according to Forbes magazine. Saudi Arabia implements the death penalty for consensual homosexuality under their interpretation of Sharia law. Other punishments include 100 whips or banishment for a year when men behaving as women or wearing women's clothes and vice versa is also illegal in Saudi Arabia. In Yemen, which is... Uh, Number three, the punishment for being gay for both men and women is prison time and 100 lashes with death by stoning for married men. Number two on the list is Qatar. Qatar enforces up to three years in prison, flogging, and the death penalty under Sharia law for any acts of homosexuality. And number one is Nigeria is ranked so highly largely due to the extreme penalties for simply being gay, which include up to 14 years in prison and the death penalty in states under Sharia law. So there you have it. The five nations uh, throughout the world with the worst record and the worst treatment of its LGBTQ community. As I said, you know, we, we may not have 100% equality in the U.S. as in so many states, gay people can still be fired for simply being gay. And we have uh, long road ahead when we look at other nations it's a it's a sobering effect so just wanted to um get blunt about that and put it out there so there you have it let's get blunt let's get blunt the blunt post with vic Daniel Wilson is a research analyst with Unite Here Local 11, the union that represents 32,000 hotel and food service workers across Los Angeles County, Orange County, and Phoenix, Arizona. She's native to Los Angeles and currently lives in West Hollywood. Norma Hernandez has worked as a housekeeper at the Mondrian Los Angeles Hotel in West Hollywood for 12 years. She was laid off as a result of COVID-19 pandemic last year and is currently fighting for a law in West Hollywood that will ensure hotel workers are recalled to work by seniority with needed protections. Maria Hernandez works in the communications department at Unite Here Local 11. She hails from Phoenix, Arizona, where she worked as a server in a hotel restaurant. Maria will also be translating for Norma Hernandez. Good morning, Danielle, Maria, and Norma. How are you this morning? Good
1: morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank- I haven't had my coffee yet, but that's
0: okay. <laughs> Plenty of time for that. Uh, thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Dick this morning. Um, you have a very special and important message to to share with uh, not just our listeners, but Southern California, and I would say nationwide, because uh, what you're going through and what you're experiencing is very, um, it's universal, and it it's happening all throughout the, the country. Uh, some of it due to uh, COVID-19, and some of it... Uh, sort of been uh, an issue and a challenge before that. Um, For our listeners who are just tuning in, uh, I'm speaking with um, uh, three ladies right now. Uh, First first one is uh, Danielle Wilson, who works for Unite Here Local 11, uh, Workers Union for Hospitality and such, uh, as well as uh, Norma Hernandez, who for 12 years, worked for the Mondrian West Hollywood and was laid off due to COVID-19. And uh, uh, for Norma, um, uh, she's speaking in Spanish, so her translator is Maria Hernandez, who too works for uh, Unite Here uh, Local 11. So um, just bear with us with that, and I will uh, start. Uh, my, my first question is for Danielle. And for those of us or that don't know about um, Unite Here Local 11, if you can tell me a little bit about it.
1: Absolutely, and, and thank you so much, Vic, for having us in this critical time where we're facing state reopening in just four days, which is going to impact our members, and not just our members, but everybody in the hospitality industry and statewide. Um, We're the Hotel and Food Service Workers Union here in Southern California. We represent about 32,000 workers in hotels, about half in hotels and half in various areas of food service, including cafeterias at private universities, stadiums, convention centers, airport concessions. And we represent workers in L.A. County, Orange County, and a few years ago, we voted to merge with our. Local, our sister local in Phoenix, Arizona, so that we could pull resources together and fight back against what Trump had been uh, doing—not just to workers, but to immigrants and and um, everybody—to be able to fight together and pull our resources to to send workers and our members to to Arizona to help deliver the uh, electoral votes in in Arizona to the Democratic nominee, which did, which was one of the our biggest successes historically ever. Uh, But we really feel like uh, by doing that last year, we we were able to really save democracy in this country and are still, uh, you know, fighting to do that.
0: Absolutely.
1: um, Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds of members who were laid off to to Arizona and Georgia to to, uh, uh, fight back against Trump.
0: Absolutely. You've done um, such an incredible um, amount of work and here locally as well. And um, I'm a big supporter of union. I believe in the slogan, work union, live better. Um, So we all are in, um, we're in this fight. I want to next go to uh, Norma and ask her about her experience uh, with the Mondrian. Uh, Why was she laid off in her words and uh, where is she now uh, in terms of what's happening next? Does she have an option to be rehired? Is that a possibility?
1: My name is uh, Norma Hernandez. I worked at the Mondrian for about 12 years in West Hollywood as a housekeeper, and I'm an origin, originally an immigrant from Guatemala. normally, uh, in, in any given day, Usually I would have to clean about 12 rooms in 8 hours. And a lot of the times those rooms would be excessively dirty, especially if there was a party that happened in the room. So sometimes those rooms would take a really long time to clean. In other words, there were times where it would take me up to 2 hours to to thoroughly clean a room. It was those it was in those days where the rooms were excessively dirty where I felt like I was running and racing against the clock to try to get my rooms done in eight hours. Sometimes I would skip drinking water, or I would try not to drink water so that way I wouldn't have to go to the bathroom. Which meant that if I had to go to the bathroom I'd have to waste more time doing that, so in order not to do that and try to get through my rooms. I would avoid drinking water during my shift. Wow. Uh, I would do this about three to four times a month. Sometimes what I would also do is, again, in order to try to finish the rooms, I would, when it came down to my lunch break, I would go downstairs, clock out, go back to go back upstairs continue cleaning room go back downstairs as soon as my quote-unquote break was over cl- punch back in and continue cleaning uh, i would also not take my legally my legal 10-minute breaks that i'm allowed to take uh, because i would want to hurry to, to finish the room uh and in the moments where we 4 30 would come because that was our time that, you know our out time and if in in moments we didn't have the rooms all done or all clean they would sometimes send us back upstairs to finish cleaning the rooms, even though we were now, basically, off of the clock um, and not working, they would still fund us up to make sure we finished the game. I would come home exhausted. Uh, and when I came home, a lot of the times, I would just fall on the sofa because of how tired I was. As can go on, the three kids, it's made it, and has made it extremely difficult, the fact that I come home so tired to be able to spend any type of
0: quality time with my kids. If I can interrupt. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you are listening to my interview with Daniel Wilson, Norma Hernandez, and Maria Hernandez from Unite Here Local 11. So basically, uh, Norma with three kids... Uh, had to work 12 years for the Mondrian doing work that was substantially uh, more than one person can handle, a complete uh, unrealistic expectation of her where she had to skip her breaks as well as her lunch and work through her lunch, um, not risk having to go to the restroom. And then sometimes even after she had already clocked out and she wasn't getting paid. She was sent back to the room to finish a room only because the hotel's expectation was unrealistic. And yet um, she was still laid off uh, from her job. So we're, we're getting a really good picture here. Um, I'd like to know now why she was told she was being laid off and what's happening now with her employment.
1: Um, So they, you know, told me and the rest of my coworkers at the Mondrian that we had a meeting. This was in March of 2020. And they told us they were going to shut down temporarily because of the the pandemic and the coronavirus. And so they weren't going to be working for a little bit. And uh, this was on, like, March 17th, 2020. And then they got a letter a few weeks later saying that they were... They were were laid
0: off. And um, were they paid anything after being laid off? Were they at least able to receive unemployment?
1: Yeah. So all they got um, after they got the letter was a check with their basically personal days and vacation days Mm -hmm. paid out, and then that's it. That's all they got. Uh, She goes, and then, you know, I had to apply for unemployment, and that's what
0: I've been on um, this entire time. So there was no severance. They simply got paid for what they were owed, but at least they were qualified for unemployment. Correct. Correct. Okay. And what is happening with her employment now is now that everything is, you know, pretty much almost back on track, uh, including with the Mondrian, is she being offered back her job?
1: Yeah, her, her co-workers and other West Hollywood hotel workers have been fighting, right, urging the West Hollywood City Council to urgently pass a, work, a hotel worker protection policy that would help protect her and housekeepers, other her and other housekeepers like her uh, to be able to get fair compensation for heavy workloads so this is something that she and her coworkers have been fighting for. She says in regards to since the hotels have given her job back, she has not heard a phone call. She has not gotten an email. They have not contacted her on whether or not to bring her back yet. So she is urging the West Hollywood City Council to pass this ordinance now, as soon as possible, because the state's about to be open on June 15th, you know, if everything goes well. She says, and we still haven't heard anything. Um, okay. So that is the one big thing that she's asking for is for the West, Holly, West Hollywood City Council to to pass this law. If it's possible, she says, because in her mind, she also doesn't want to continue to be on unemployment. Right? She's ready to work. She wants to go back to work. Um, and she that's that's her biggest plea. She's
0: right she's certainly a hard worker. Um, gracias, Norma. Uh, thank you for. Thank you for sharing all this with us. I know it must be uh, painful for you to talk about your service and uh, the 12 years that you've given to a hotel and yet be uh, mistreated. And uh, thank you to you, Maria, for translating. We're not done yet, but just want to thank you for that because uh, that was very helpful information. Uh, Next, I want to go back to... um, Danielle because uh, governor Newsom uh, signed a law um, or, or signed into law a bill that provides recall rights for hospitality workers uh, across hotels airports convention centers and clubs now wh- wh- what are we facing what are the challenges that the workers are facing with this law and know uh, you know why are some employers violating them
1: thank you for for bringing this up the law is SB 93, uh, and we were extremely grateful and thrilled that the governor signed this bill It's going to make a difference for hundreds of thousands of workers across the state. Um, the two things I'll say about it are, are one, you know, we're not sure of, uh, you know, we haven't confirmed whether or not the law is being violated in our industry, but I will say we're watching it very carefully, and there, there are pretty severe penalties for violations, which is a pretty unique element of the law that so we are watching it very carefully, but more important, um, more importantly, uh, local ordinances that do similar things, um, namely this right of recall, that's gonna make sure that, that workers um, who have given decades of their lives to the industry like Norma have a chance to get their jobs back. Local ordinances that we've passed and are working on here in West Hollywood are gonna basically act as a, a, another level of enforcement because the state law is really just a floor so that you know, cities where there aren't recall ordinances, uh, will, will, you know, the workers in those cities have a, have a chance. But in other places like Long Beach and the City of LA and uh, you know other places, have stronger laws that we've helped pass um, that are really going to make a big difference.
0: Yeah, that's, um, it's a first um, first good step. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Daniel Wilson, Norma Hernandez, and Maria Hernandez from Unite Here Local 11. As Norma was saying, Dozens of laid-off um, hospitality workers, uh, as well as uh, uh, West Hollywood Mayor Lindsay Horvath, Councilmember Member Seppi Schein, who is a big ally of the uh, unions, uh, especially uh, Unite Here Local 11, the Hollywood National Organization for Women, National Women's Political Caucus of California, that have all urged the city of West Hollywood to pass this historic hotel worker protection policy. So what is holding them?
1: When you say holding them, you mean, um, you know, keeping them interested or engaged or urging, urging well, for this to or, happen? Or
0: just to pass it, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I live here in West Hollywood, and you know this big but for listeners, you know, it's a 1.9 square mile city that has 22 hotels. And hotels are absolutely the number one source of revenue for this city. It, it's astounding. Um, in the 2017 2018 budget, The the, uh, city projected a $25.75 million um, revenue from transient occupancy tax, which is the tax that hotels produce. And so hotels are absolutely critical to to the city. And unfortunately, the workers who really make this economic engine run have been absolutely ignored and invisible in this city um, for decades and so uh with the the new composition on the council and with the leadership of um mayor horvath and and council member shine workers are really gonna be at the table at the, at the decision making table at the city and really gonna have a, a say with what the industry does as it comes back and and how workers are treated and the question has really been called uh on the hotel industry here in west hollywood about whether they're gonna you know, treat their workers with respect or not, whether people like Norma, who have, you know, really given so much to the industry, whether they are valuable um, to to these hotels or not, because we know, you know, the thing that always inspires me is that when you talk to Norma or, you know, I can think of another worker, Beto, who's an engineer at another hotel, or who was for 15 years, They know these hotels back and forth, inside and out, better than any manager, you know. And so if you're really thinking about how are we going to bring back the guest experience to West Hollywood, you want to bring back Norma and Benzell. But unfortunately, we know we've gone through other economic downturns in 2001 and 2008. This is just not the case. You know, good, good employers will bring people back. Bad employers will really just be looking at their bottom line. And so we have to have this policy um, to hold those employers accountable to some kind of a standard. But leaders, the leaders you mentioned really see this and really see the humanity uh, in these workers and want to give them a voice.
0: Excellent. So we know that uh, Mayor Horvath, as well as Council Member Shine, are for this. How about the other three? Where do they stand?
1: It's a great question. So. Um, so far, there's been an initial vote on the policy, which was to direct staff to come back with the law. That vote was a three to one, pass, three to one. Uh, unfortunately, Council Member D'Amico um, had, to, had to leave before the vote was taken, so his vote's not uh, on the record. The Council Member Meister voted against it. And so, you know, all I would say is that I, I really just hope that these Council Members... Um, D'Amico and Meister, who have lived in the city for so long and are, are really part of the the fabric of the community here, can have it in their hearts, really, um, to, to really also see the humanity in the, these workers um, and to really stand down the pressure of the hotel industry that has really run the tables here for far too long.
0: Thank you for that. So what's next in this? What, is there a council meeting coming up?
1: So the the vote on the policy was supposed to be on June 21st, and unfortunately it was delayed. Um, And so the vote is now scheduled to take place on July 19th, and we will be having several public actions between now and then to get the community involved. Um, I know from talking to many, many people here in West Hollywood that this is something that residents support. They know how important the hotel industry is, and they want to see hotels full every night, as do we. But they also want to make sure that, you know, the industry that's been built on the backs of these workers doesn't take advantage of them. So uh, there will be a lot to come.
0: Absolutely. And that's going to happen in July. Uh, Any action, any um, call to action for those that are listening?
1: Yes. If you live in (coughs) West Hollywood, if you work in West Hollywood, if you play in West Hollywood, we need you to be writing into the council um, to, to express your support. this highlighting worker stories and we'd love for you to call
0: into the hearing on july 19th and express your support great so july 19th and then prior to that if you are listening and you're wondering about the email addresses of the council members just go to city of west hollywood's website which is weho.org and go to um city council and you will see uh, all of their contact info. Now, I want to shift focus to a different hotel because this has been going on for a long time and that's the Chateau Marmont on Sunset and the boycotts that's um, you know that's been on for a while. What is happening at Chateau Marmont? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that's something I, I can talk to you a little bit about. Okay. Um, so, you know, workers at the Chateau Marmont, <clears throat> Hollywood playground, you know, over 200 of them were fired at the onset of the pandemic in March 2020 and since then a lot of workers have come forward expressing you know what it was like for them working at the chateau you know it's interesting because some of these chateau workers are the ones that actually help lead the fight for some of this recall some of the recall law that passed in la city because mm-hmm. folks don't know the Chateau Montmart actually is. Uh, in the city of L.A., although I feel a lot of folks think it's actually in West Hollywood. Yeah, because the West Hollywood map is... It's in the city of L.A.
0: Yeah, West yeah. Hollywood map is very complicated. It, it has all these little uh, ups and downs. So uh, the strangest part of what we think is West Hollywood could be in the uh, city of L.A. Yes, yes. So, so I wanted to, you know, throw that
1: little quick fact in there. but. You know, go, going back to what's going on at the Chateau, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of workers have come forward and spoken out about their experiences at the hotel. And this, is, this has prompted concern from community leaders, and there has been a call for a boycott of the Chateau Marmont until the hotel demonstrates a commitment to respecting workers' years of service by rehiring them in accordance with their legal rights and ensuring that all the workers, regardless of their race, sex, or background, feel treated with dignity and respect. Um, there has been a growing number of celebrities that have endorsed this boycott, that include the Queen, Jane Fonda. Um, a couple of others are born on, Martin Sheen. And for those that follow the Oscars that may or may not know, um, Oscar-nominated director Aaron Sorkin has also honored the workers' copper boycott at the Chateau Marmot. Most recently right before the Oscars, holding the production as being the Ricardos from the hotel. Um, so, you know, workers have been really severely hit by this pandemic. I think just like Norma, there's workers like Carlos Barrera who gave forty years of his life who worked as a garage attendant at the hotel, parking the cars of the rich and famous. And, you know, at the outset of the pandemic was one of the 200 workers that fired. You know, now he's in his 60s. He is working delivering pizzas part-time and is really, really worried about how he's going to make ends meet um, in the coming months. Right, so he is someone that has been, you know, fighting alongside his coworkers for justice, dignity, and respect. Um, and is looking forward to go back to work.
0: Um, yeah. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you are listening to my interview with Daniel Wilson, Norma Hernandez, and Maria Hernandez from Unite Here Local 11. I I just have to say, um, one, uh, you would think, I mean, I, I... I praise Jane Fonda and Martin Sheen, uh, two people that have you know, generally always been in the front lines. So it's no surprise um, supporting you know, oppressed people and people who are discriminated and such. But I would think that in LA, <laughs> with, all, you know, with the entire entertainment industry, um, who are uh, sometimes really good at um, saying all the right things on a stage, behind a podium, in the spotlight, would really come out in in the hundreds, if not thousands, and really demand that Chateau Marmont, which uh, certainly has the means to do the right thing, uh, to do just that, the right thing. Um, and secondly, was the firing of the employees was that uh, was that lawful?
1: The, the, so the workers were fired. Uh, the reasoning is because of the COVID nineteen pandemic
0: okay i got you so um that was great we we got a really good um sort of an update on Chatamamon and uh do you have any call to action for that maria
1: yeah no look anybody that is looking and ever drives down sunset and sees that castle on the hills and thinks, oh boy when you know when will i be able to go back i mean i think folks need to understand the reality of the situation and think about the workers like Carlos that made the Chateau Marmont what it is and gave decades of their lives in a way that listeners can support right now is by going to BoycottChateauMarmont.org. Again, that's BoycottChateauMarmont.org and they can sign on and pledge uh, to stand with the workers um, in their fight for justice. They can do that right now.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that. Before we go, um, I'd like to ask all of you if there's something you'd like to add. Perhaps there was a question I should have asked that I didn't um, before we uh, end the the interview.
1: The only other thing I will add for folks um, around this law that we're urging the WeHo City Council to pass is similarly, you know, any people that live that work that play in west hollywood they can also stand immediately in support with the workers now by going to org as well and learning and watching a little bit about who these workers are what they've experienced um and on there they can also uh, sign a petition to to support them as well so again so that that's wehorising.org
0: uh, excellent mm. Maria, thank you very much. And uh, Danielle, anything to add?
1: No. She, she, thank mm-hmm. you, Maria. She said it better than I could myself. Thank you for this opportunity, Vic.
0: My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Norma, Maria, Danielle. Um, good luck with everything. I'll be um, watching and listening and reading um, for updates. I certainly support you, and I know that many others do too. And um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll chat again. Wonderful. Thank you, Vic. Take care, baby. Thank you. That was my interview with Danielle Wilson, Norma Hernandez, and Maria Hernandez from Unite Here Local 11, the union that represents 32,000 hotel and food service workers across Los Angeles County, Orange County, and Phoenix, Arizona. A big thanks to all of you for being on the show this morning and sharing your Uh, your experience and uh, the struggle that a lot of uh, hospitality and food service workers are going through. The Blunt Post with Vic. Will Page is the publisher of the Desert Daily Guide, the premier LGBTQ publication in the greater Palm Springs area. A former software engineer and a longtime gay activist, he now publishes the last Palm Springs local LGBTQ community print magazine, which is free for all readers, Will advocates for LGBTQ human rights and Black Lives Matter, and an active in Veterans for Peace and AMVETS. Good morning, Will. Thanks for being on The Blonde Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Great.
2: Uh, thanks for inviting us. You know, i um, coming to you from Palm Springs, so I got a lot of information by you.
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on there in the desert uh, and has been. And you're definitely, as the publisher and editor of the Desert Daily Guide, you are the it person to uh, pick your brain and find out about all the new and exciting things. But um, before we go um, too far, I want to ask you um, just to... From your perspective, just to describe the state of Palm Springs or the greater desert areas right now.
2: Okay, great. Uh, well, you know, we're, uh, we're doing actually pretty good. Uh, there's an old saying in Palm Springs, everything is for sale. Right uh-huh. now, we're also franchising, and I can put that in air quotes, that Palm Springs swing. So,
0: it's kind of a vibe, and you know, trust me, we didn't come to that vibe easily. I call it the three eyes, and that's representation, respect, and reverence. So, like that. I can
2: go into that if you want, but uh, <laughs> it's basically good representation, and we, with good representation, we act evenly across the board. And how we serve the people is respectfully, and then reverence for everything good in everybody's lives. So we don't try
0: to differentiate or do anything in the town that you know that causes less than harmonic value of our of our Palm Springs swing vibe makes sense um well also i wanted to to know i know that Palm Springs was a hard hit at some point with covid-19 i'm just wondering how the the city uh, is recovering from it well you know i i'm from Cape Cod And you can probably tell by my accent. We used to get shut down a lot for winter storms, right? And here in Palm Springs, we have the summer heat, so we're kind of more resilient in some areas, I think. But uh, but there's a lot of suffering in the family and losses, job losses, and some of that was even happening before the pandemic. True, we do face some challenges. What are some of the challenges, um, like the major ones, that, are, that the city is facing? Well, I guess it depends on who you ask, but uh, mostly it's shutting down and reopening is very expensive for our local businesses and employment. And uh, lots of city income, of course, because we didn't have the, uh, we swelled to uh,
2: 1 million plus during our high season, and then we lost an entire high season. Right. So we're we're coming back though, and uh, if you look at it this weekend, it was like nothing has changed. The bars are full. The town was open. Everything was happening. The bars are open with the uh, current restrictions.
0: Oh, that's good news. That things are you know <laughs> back back to order.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know here at the guide, we at the guide, we used to rest. I mean, uh, we took advantage of the pandemic to
0: rest mostly, and upgrade our, all of our printing process and equipment. Right. And, you mean at the Desert Daily Guide? At the Desert Daily Guide.
2: And, you know, we do everything in-house, and, and everything is B2B, so we're not,
0: we don't have the kind of burdens others have no. Right. Plus, you know, we're a gay business. A gay business has been in a startup mode for 20 years, so we're used to it. Leslie Jordan once told me after many years of knocking on doors he became an overnight success at 40. Yeah, I like that. In terms of like news and major events in Palm Springs, what I know I've I've sort of read about Marilyn coming back and there's some problems with that. But uh, let's talk about that and other sort of newsworthy items in, in Palm Springs.
2: Oh yeah, you know, especially we have an all lgb town council, so we're a little bit different in the way we run our town than uh, than other people. And it's quite effective. But dear Miss Marilyn is back with a twenty as a twenty foot, twenty six foot, sorry, statue
0: this year. Right, that used to be there for years before it was shipped to yeah. Miami, I believe. Yeah, it was moved around a bit. So, and it originally came from last in Chicago. You know, I have a, for a fun fact, I have a picture of a local bar owner standing under her famous panties, raising his own kilt. Oh. <laughs> I can't show that picture
2: anywhere, but there's just a lot happening here. And sadly, we lost some giants, whose shoulders that we have stood on for many, many years, which was kind of devastating. Yeah. But uh, we have some unique hotels here. We're in Destination City. Sadly, uh, to me, Frank Sinatra's um, old Haunt the Riviera is now a Margaritaville resort. Oh. I hope for it. But, you know, I, I miss the days when Bob Hope would be at the bar at the Hilton and they would raise a bikini on the flagpole at the
0: Riviera to let us know that Frank was in the, in the building. That was history. Yeah. And uh, we even still have the restored booth that Bing Crosby used for his radio show. Wow. And uh, Bing White Christmas in it. It's in our
2: BFW hall where it was from day one. And now it's our Ambo and Vets post. Okay. we We have quite a bit. The new Clinton Rowan Hotel is open with a great new rooftop bar. And, you know, like I said, we're a vacation city from November to June. So we have many hotels and way too many nude or clothing optional for straights, gays, and swingers now. There yeah. Are two that are great for swingers. And I, I, I assume swingers mean everything.
0: <laughs> but. Uh, this is the blunt post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you are listening to my interview with Will Page, the publisher of the Desert Daily Guide. Well, you you mentioned about the Palm Springs City Council being uh, entirely of LGBTQ people. I want to also talk about Cathedral City because some people don't know um, how Cathedral City has really become a big LGBTQ mecca and with some sort of unique characteristics that some people don't know about. For example, the LGBTQ Veterans Memorial in Cathedral City. And for those of you who are wondering about Cathedral City, is Cathedral City is attached to Palm Springs. So if you're driving on multiple roads, you'll probably cross into Cathedral City not knowing that you have. So uh, yeah, Will, tell us about Cathedral City. Yeah, that's great. I mean, here in Tom Springs, we have some great bars, and we have Arenas Road, and we have a uh, tool bar, but over in Cat City, we have the, the state's, or the nation's largest gay clothing optional resort, which now has a restaurant called The Runway. And, what is the uh, resort called? Uh, CCBC. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Richard will be mad at me for not mentioning CCPC, but he's the. He is the gay ambassador to Cathedral City, so he he's a very prominent uh, person does a lot of hard work in the, in the area. For sure. And Richard is a, a pillar in the community.
2: Yeah, yes. And, uh, you know, he, he has a restaurant there, and now he's building an I have breaking news for you. Yeah. And they're building a new
0: timeshare tower on the property. Oh, wow. To vacation there.
2: I already put in my reservations, and Richard told me reservations are open. So I put my reservation in.
0: Well, Richard is always at the cutting edge. I remember years ago, he called me and said, Vic, I got the street, the private cul-de-sac that he owns, uh, where the property is. He goes, I got the city to change the name to Gay Resort Drive. And I thought that was really cool. And then he he got the bus so that his guests didn't have to drive, um, so they could just take the bus to Arenas Road or other places and drink without worrying about how to drive home or drive back to the hotel. So he's always sort of at uh, the cutting edge and doing new and different things. And I guess the tower, the timeshare tower is next. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. I mean, he has events there that bring thousands of people thousands of gay men to to the area, Casino City and Top Springs. Right. So it's really a great uh, area. Casino City has a lot, though. It has a lot to offer. And they're just breaking ground for a veteran's resident to help with the veteran's homeless problem. Oh, wow. So that's going to be really good. And and down at the bottom of the, the residents will be uh, the veteran's service organizations. So you don't have to go to Loma Linda. Which is
2: 60 miles away, and uh, our clinic. But uh, you can do a lot of things with the veterans right there, so it's going to be very nice. I mean, put my reservation in there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it would be a, a, a great thing, you know. We uh, with the, the gay veterans, we we provide a van to Loma Linda, which is one of the largest veterans hospitals. From here, free of uh, charge for veterans from here and back to Loma Linda, which is part of what I do with AMVETS. We're working with AMVETS, and uh, we also have the Gay Veterans Memorial. Right. Which is an exciting place for veterans, a very sacred ground. Um, Veterans, gay veterans from all over the nation come there and spend some time and we have a memorial day celebration there, honoring uh, those that have lost their lives or given their lives yeah. in service of the country. It's pretty good. But the great news on that is even through the work of the Cathedral City, which is where it's located, at Desert a regional uh, cemetery. Is it's now the world, the nation's? I don't
0: want to say world because it's not. It's the nation's first state. LGBT memorial. That's a big so deal. That That's a big deal for Cathedral City good, to yeah. have that. Yes, it also means, mm. you know, upkeep and different kinds of uh, money for services in the, in regard to veterans.
2: Yeah, And I'm a veteran, so
0: I, it's near yes. to my heart. Oh, that, I knew that. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you about uh, Pride. It's Pride Month, and Palm Springs Pride is first weekend of November, but when is Cathedral City's Pride, do you know?
2: Yeah, it's right around uh, Easter time,
0: So Okay. uh, It was more subdued this year, but it's been a growing uh, event uh, for the last few
2: years. And, um, you know, there's vendors and booths and uh, no parade yet, but uh, but we were able to move the community to the hearts and minds of, of the gay community having
0: a, a celebration and pride it makes sense i want to go back to like newsworthy items in palm springs are there any like is palm springs experiencing any kind of a building challenges in terms of like developers um you know is there like um problem with developers trying to get things built or the other way around where residents don't want any more building to happen
2: you know, that happens, I think, in almost all um, sort of resort communities. This Palm Springs was at the farthest, uh, uh, farthest away from L.A. that uh, the actor that one time could travel. Right. Well, they came and, and, and spent a lot of time here. And so it's we're kind of a, a hybrid city, and, and, and it works pretty well. I mean, I always called it the great experiment. Uh-huh. with uh, the gay community being so heavily uh, populated and we are a retirement communities, so kind of have the best of all worlds. But I still consider it an invested paradise. So there's a lot of building going on, a lot of housing going on, and uh, the downtown areas for Casino City and Palm Springs is, is really growing large.
0: Right. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jorami, and you are listening to my interview with Will Page, the publisher of the Desert Daily Guide. Now, let's go back to Desert Daily Guide, and you talked a little bit about the changes you've made. It's always been the premier LGBTQ publication in the greater Palm Springs area. What are some of the changes, and what can we expect? Well, thank you. Glad you asked. So, I I do want to
2: cover like that. uh, You know, we started out as a small phone dating system, and then one day uh, a local bar, street bar, actually called and said that they were having a fundraiser and they missed all the print deadlines. So they wanted to know if we could mention something when people called the dating line, and it was very effective and it worked really well. So that became a weekly. A safe travel, if you will, in print. And it was like four pages, black and white. And it morphed to uh, a, a pretty sizable magazine that we're quite proud of. But anyway, we're, we're doing good. And, um, you know, we have a commercial grade magazine now, and but it's still hand delivered by us. And that's the way we want to keep it kind of a, a hybrid between print and. and and the web. Wow. During the pandemic, you know, when paper magazines were kind of banned from the state, we stayed online free for our advertisers for the, right. for the entire pandemic, just to thrive, provide updates and kind of brand recognition. And, and But now we're going to print back in, in July. So I'm very excited about that, with our new equipment and updated print process.
0: Fantastic. Congrats.
2: And all advertisers are happy.
0: Good. There are a lot of people out there who still want to see print.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I and mean, then we have uh, ADA issues and handicap issues and uh, other, other thing that... that so we kind of built a hybrid where we put print locations, but we back it up with... Uh, reproduced it faithfully on the web as a, as a flip book. And uh, our readers can get it there everywhere, but we're also
0: in the locations where they shop and eat and drink as a point of sale attraction right so if you're going to palm springs you want to pick up a an issue of desert daily guide Uh, will is there any uh question are there any questions that i should have asked that i haven't or would you just like to add something no i think you get it uh, very Coverage of what has happened yeah. in Palm Springs, and uh, I hope that I can provide more information for you. And I'm always the person that you can call to find out. I about. I know. So we'll we'll chat again. I'm I'm excited for the new issue coming up, and uh, keep us oh, up- yeah. updated on uh, Palm Springs. And thank you for being on the show today.
2: Yes, and I want to say that you have that Palm Springs swing, so you're welcome. Uh,
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Will. That was Will Page, the publisher of the Desert Daily Guide in the Greater Palm Springs area and truly a pillar in the community. Uh, Thank you very much, Will, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. I have three tweets to read you regarding uh, President Biden and Secretary Blinken's uh, reckless decision to lift Section 907 of the United States Freedom Support Act, which bans any kind of direct United States aid to Azerbaijani government. The first one is from Nara Matinian, who said, Joe Biden and Secretary Blinken are ready to provide millions aid to help counterterrorism. Is this a joke? Azerbaijan? Question mark. Counterterrorism? Question mark. The country that hired 2,000 jihadi mercenaries to kill 4,000 plus 18 year old Armenian soldiers? Mark. Section 907. Shame. The next tweet is from Walter uh, Subshak, who said, Why do we keep arming this man? Meaning Azerbaijani President Aliyev. Didn't we not learn anything from our tango with Saddam? And the last quote is from Congressman Frank Pallone from New Jersey, who said, I sent a letter to President Biden today with the Armenian Caucus co-chairs, calling on him to use his upcoming meeting with Erdogan to address Turkey's support for Azerbaijan's violent and destructive actions in Artsakh and Armenia. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at seven AM for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at VicJerami. Both Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at VicJerami. That's V-I-C, G-E-R-A-M-I.
2: The Blunt Post with Vic.